Coming right up, Straight Talk with Art Levine. Our guest tonight, Aaron Beam, co-founder and former CFO of HealthSouth, as we continue our 22nd anniversary year. Straight Talk is brought to you in part by the Port of Long Beach, a leader in international trade and environmental stewardship. And the Press-Telegram, your local news leader for over 100 years. Join us for tonight's edition of Straight Talk. And now your host, Art Levine. Good evening and welcome to Straight Talk. We're delighted you're joining us tonight. Our guest for the entire show is Aaron Beam, co-founder and former CFO of HealthSouth. Aaron, welcome to our show. Well, thanks for having me. Let me cut to the chase. And we've done over 500 shows over 22 years. Aaron is the first convicted felon we have had on the show. And it's a fascinating story. Aaron is also the author of a book, Health South, The Wagon to Disaster, that chronicles uh, uh, his fascinating story. And Aaron, uh, so you were the co-founder of this company uh, and former CFO of Health South that was a Fortune 500 company. Exactly. In uh, 1984, uh, Richard Scrushy and I formed the company with venture capital and um, within two years took it public and uh, we all made a lot of money. It was a giant success story. And you were in the business of rehabilitation centers? Yes, back in the 80s, believe it or not, long before Obamacare, the cost of health care was a big concern. So Richard's concept, he was really a pretty much a visionary. He felt like if you could take things out of the hospital and do them on an outpatient basis, like outpatient surgery, outpatient rehabilitation, that would be a way to lower health care costs. So our timing was very good because technology has changed. The surgery could be done outpatient by that time. And with the pressure to lower health care costs, it we, we, our timing was very good. And the, so the business model made sense. It, it was less expensive to do it there. And patients prefer not to be in a hospital. Exactly. They don't want to go back into a building full of sick people and all the complicated parking and everything. Sure. So, so the business model made sense. The timing was good. You went public. Stock did well. Uh, what happened? It really is just one of those things, it's a little bit like the athlete that signs the big million-dollar contract. I think we all kind of let the money become too important. Uh, we, the pressures of Wall Street are very tremendous. When you're a public company, you are measured by does the stock go up. So there's tremendous pressure every quarter to deliver good numbers. Good earnings. Good earnings. Because it's earnings, growth in earnings exactly. per share exactly. that Wall Street loves. Exactly. That curve keeps going up, exactly. and they want to see it. Exactly. And, and uh, Richard, in particular, had gotten to where he was worth about $600 million from his stock options and everything, and I was worth several million dollars. And we understood that our wealth was tied to the stock market, and we were in a healthcare uh, bubble, stock market bubble, and we started in the beginning, we just started doing some not-so-good accounting. We started changing estimates, things that weren't really fraudulent. Let, let me interrupt because, and Richard makes this point in his book, 
Uh, and you are a CPA. You are a trainer as an accountant. You're a CPA. And even though you come up with a hard number of earnings per share of $6.32 for a quarter, what a lot of people don't realize is that is a function of a lot of estimates. And reasonable people can differ on just what those estimates are. So perfectly legally and ethically, there's a zone of reasonableness to make estimates. That's right. And But that can that kind of gray area can become really be abused to the point that you cross a line at some point where you're uh, just making up numbers <laughs> and we did that in 1996 after being a public company and never for 10 years and never missing earnings we had missed them so badly that we just literally decided we had to create some numbers so in real life the earnings weren't there they weren't there and you manufactured the earnings. I remember when you, we first met at a breakfast that the chamber sponsored last year, or earlier this year, actually, and someone asked from the audience a question, bottom line, what did you do wrong? And you said, quote, I cooked the books. Yeah, there's, there's no way to sugarcoat it. I mean, that's what I did. And Was there one moment where you realized you had passed over the line from stretching estimates that are at least supportable to just manufacturing numbers? The second quarter of 1996 in the summer, the quarter that ended in June, we went into Richard's office, my, my chief accountant and I, and we told Richard we had to report a bad quarter. You just couldn't play with the numbers anymore. The real life had gone so bad that you couldn't right. hide it anymore exactly. within the zone exactly. of reasonableness. And he, he literally screamed at us and said no. No, he said, we're, we're not going to do that. And he said, you guys are smart guys. You've figured out how to fix the numbers before. I want you to fix these numbers. This is not an option. And unfortunately, my chief accountant had worked for our auditors. He knew what the auditors would look at and not look at. He said, I can make entries so they won't examine them and I can get the numbers to where they need to be. But he, he very clearly said, I'll be creating numbers we didn't create. I'll be, I'll be cooking the books. He, he, and Richard understood that. Well, Richard told him to do that. He did. He did. <laughs> and told you to do it. Yeah, and, and I was weak. I did not stand up to Richard. I should have, um, but I didn't. And as a result, uh, I paid dearly for it. Now, at that moment in time, you were worth several million dollars of Health South stock. Exactly. So you were not a poor person at that point. No, no, no. I was, I was not super rich, but I was worth, I was a millionaire several times over. And compared to the average American, they would consider you quite wealthy. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm one of those one percenters. And you're a CPA. I am. A trained professional. Right. Just share with everybody the mental rationalization that allowed you to do that. I have thought about that a lot since I got out of prison and, and I've been doing speaking to students and I've read a lot. There's a book written by uh, Dan Iarly, a professor at Duke University, and the book is called uh, The Truth About Dishonesty, how we, <laughs> how we lie to ourselves yes, even. Yes, we rationalize. We rationalize. And, and um, you know... You, I remember the first time, about the third time I gave my speech, somebody asked me at the end of the speech, didn't you think about what was going to happen? 
And I stood there kind of like a dummy, and I thought for a while, and I said, no, when we first did it, I, I didn't think ahead to the consequences. People that do these kinds of things don't let themselves think about that. They make a list of things, of, of rationalizations of why they should do it. We'll only do it once. We won't get caught. Nobody will get hurt. Everybody does it. And you let yourself commit the crime. I'll share with you one rationalization I heard. I worked on Wall Street for five years for two major investment banking firms, not in the stock brokerage field, but in investment banking. But I spoke to the brokers, and when one was selling a particularly unattractive stock to clients, I said, well, how can you do that? He said, well, if I don't do it, someone else will. Exactly. And that was his yeah. rationalization. Yeah. Yeah, so that's how we really do it, and it's very common in human nature to rationalize. People every day rationalize lying. If your wife asked you, do I look fat in this dress, <laughs> what are you going to say? <laughs> so, I mean, that's kind of silly, but, but it's human nature to rationalize your bad behavior because, as Dr. Ayarley says, you want to look in the mirror and say, I'm a good person. And, and so you justify the things you're doing wrong by rationalizing ever how you can. Amen. And on that point, we'll pick up in the next segment. Stay with us. At the Port of Long Beach, we're not only delivering jobs, smart ideas, and forward-thinking environmental initiatives, we're also delivering opportunity for all of Southern California. Oh, and a clearer horizon line. To learn more, go to polb.com, the port of Long Beach, thinking outside the docks. Hello, I'm Jessica Hardy, a proud Long Beach native and a member of the USA Swimming national team. Having spent much of my life in water, I've developed a deep appreciation for the valuable role that this precious resource plays in our lives. In recent years, California's water supply has become unreliable. To address this reality, Long Beach residents have dramatically reduced their water use through permanent lifestyle changes. In doing so, Long Beach has made itself a leader in water conservation. As I work hard to achieve my personal goal of qualifying for the 2012 Summer Olympics, I encourage you to continue your tremendous efforts to use water in smart and responsible ways. So join me and your fellow Long Beach residents in strengthening the water conservation movement. By making small but significant changes in our water use habits, together we can ensure that we have a reliable water supply for many generations to come. At Performance Plus Tire, you'll find we carry Toyo tires. For over 50 years, Toyo has been a world leader in the development of high-quality tires. Optimum performance, safety, and a comfortable ride. That's what makes Toyo tires great. And now come into Performance Plus Tire for a great deal on these Toyo tires. Proxies ST, Open Country AT, and Proxies 4. Toyo tires, driven to perform. Come in today and we'll install new Toyo tires on your vehicle while you wait. Performance Plus Tire on Cherry Avenue, one mile north of the 405 in Long Beach. We're continuing our conversation with Aaron Beam, uh, co-founder and former CFO of HealthSouth, and we were talking about rationalization of unethical behavior. We do it. We lie to ourselves in little ways and in big ways. But uh, at this moment when uh, uh, this 
chairman tells you and the accountant, <clears throat> I want you to fix the books, did it occur to you to say no? It really did not, and it's, it's hard to believe, and I think sometimes people don't understand, but if you'd ever met Richard Scrooge, you would sort of understand. He, he's a very intimidating person, um, it, almost to the point, he's just a master <clears throat> at, at bullying people and getting them to do whatever he, he wants done. I, but I didn't, I did not want, I didn't have the courage to stand up to him and say no. And the subheading of your book, The Wagon to Disaster, uh, comes from a phrase he used, uh, get with the wagon, get on the yeah. wagon. Pull the wagon. Pull the wagon. Be a team, meet me and be yeah. a team player. But it exactly. turns out it's his wagon <laughs> pulling in the direction he wants to go. Exactly. And uh, when I named the book The Wagon to Disaster, all of the <laughs> former employees at HealthSouth said, what a brilliant title. You yeah. know, now, in the book, you mention that corporate greed is the black plague of the modern financial world. And I agree with that, but just expand a bit on that. Well, I think it's just our culture has gotten such that we put too much importance on, on making money to the point that we don't value the things that are really important, like honesty and, and integrity, and people accept unethical business behavior. It's okay as long as you're making money. There's no better example of it than the subprime debacle. Yes. People were taught how to lie on loan applications, and nobody, Wall Street, the investment firms, the, the real estate firms, they didn't care because everybody was making money. We were in a real estate bubble, and they just, they tolerated and, unethical and, behavior. And we here in California were right at the center of that. Sure. And if you were breathing, you could get a loan. <laughs> they had loans called Nina loans, no income, no assets. If you were breathing, because yeah, yeah. everyone, as you said, was making money. Exactly. Well, uh, we have a problem, Houston, don't we? <laughs> we do. And uh, how do we get out of this problem? Well, it takes time, and I, I think there are changes in place. First off, universities are really now changing the way they teach business. Uh, the school here is very good at teaching ethics and ethical behavior. Students that are coming out of school today are a little different than the ones that came out in the 60s and 70s and 80s. That's part of it. I think the Occupy Wall Street movement was a sign that the general public is fed up with that. Yep. And that, that's how change starts. And I think over time it will change, but it's gonna take a long time. And you referred to the meltdown a while ago and then prior to that, the economic meltdown, uh, uh, Main Street paid a huge price for the abuses of Wall Street. And it simply wasn't fair. And that's why I agree with you that that Occupy Wall Street had a certain resonance. It, it got out of control, but, but there was a validity to the point that uh, the greed of Wall Street caused hardship on Main Street and loss of jobs exactly. and closing of businesses. Exactly. I remember about that time in 09 or so, uh, the cover of Time Magazine had a kind of devil-looking person on it, and the headline was, Why Main Street Hates Wall Street. Yeah. Well, <laughs> greed uh, from biblical times is, is one of the sins, and yeah. uh, it, it is still with us, but uh, this just a personal viewpoint. A lot of money doesn't necessarily bring happiness, and in your case, uh, 
it brought prison. It did. Tell us a little bit about prison. Well, it's one of the most humiliating things you never go through in your life to know that you're going to prison. I think the day my wife drove me to the prison and I had to say goodbye to her and know I was going into prison, it's very humiliating. And you check in and the only thing they let you take in is the one little gold wedding band, everything else they take away from you and you're issued three sets of clothes and you have one little locker. <laughs> it's a, Now, I, luckily I did qualify for a federal minimum security prison, so I wasn't afraid to take a shower at night. Uh, no one with violence in their background is sent to this kind of prison, and I'm thankful for that. But, you know, the food, for example, they, they fed us every morning for breakfast canned peaches and grits. No eggs, no bacon. Uh, it's not. As someone no, not from fun. Alabama, that must well, be I like cruel and unusual. I like the grits, but, <laughs> but not every day for breakfast with canned peaches. So this was three months you served? I only served three prison. months, which... Um, but the real, the, real, uh, the real punishment was uh, the reputational I, loss and yeah, what you just... I am now a felon. I will always be known as a felon. My legacy is not that I started a very successful company. I will be remembered as the guy that cooked the books at HealthSouth. Well, maybe That's you'll it. also be remembered as the guy who comes to college campuses and tells young people about truth and how they should live their lives. Art, I hope so. That's really what I'm trying to do now. I'm really trying to, to make a little bit of lemonade out of lemons. And I enjoy talking to the students. I think they're, they're, they're the ones that are going to make the change in the business world as we go forward. Okay. We'll be back with this great discussion after these messages. How do you like your chances the rest of the way? I got no idea. But I do know that if we stay with Naples Rib Company, at least we won't go hungry. Coach, what do you think about some of those questionable calls tonight? Oh, yeah, but if you want a sound call, I'd call Naples Rib Company. You can't miss on that call. Then Naples Rib Company is part of your game plan? There really is nothing more motivating than a great barbecue meal at Naples Rib Company. Victory or not, Naples Rib Company, great game plan. Founded in 1976, Polly's Gourmet Coffee is Southern California's most complete gourmet coffee store. Polly's has the best tasting coffee freshly roasted every day right in the store. Plus a wide selection of teas, an in-house bakery, espresso bar, patio dining, and more. We also offer Wi-Fi, free internet access for all of our customers. Our nationwide clientele agree, when it comes to coffee, there's only one name to remember. Polly's, 4606 East 2nd Street, welcoming you into Belmont Shore. When I was a boy growing up in Italy, I had a dream to own in my own store. I came to the United States and I worked hard as a tailor. Hi, I'm Umberto. I've been in Long Beach since 1960, carrying the finest quality men's clothing. It was a long way away, but styles are just around the corner. Umberto, 2141 Belfar, Long Beach. Who needs this modern world? I can live just fine out here without the road rage and boy bands. Of course, I might miss my Charter HD with football on ESPN and Walking Dead on AMC. ESPN and AMC. And, well, Shark Week on Discovery HD. But that's all. 
AMC, ESPN, Discovery, TBS, and Comedy Central HD. But that's it. Except for HBO HD. Charter now has over 100 HD channels and more brilliant HD shows on demand. We're back with Aaron Beam. A fascinating discussion on ethics and, and how you should live your life. So, um, you're right. We do teach ethics now in the business schools, but and, and you teach it in your lectures and your presentations on college campuses. And we all hope that teaching it can have some positive impact, that it will sink through. What's your reaction? Well, I think it will. I, and I think there's a little bit of problem with the word teach. People mistakenly think we're trying to teach people right from wrong. <clears throat> and that's not really what we're trying to do. In large part, people know right from wrong. Yes. By the time they get to school, they've been taught by their parents, they know right from wrong. So it's not teaching them so much that it's teaching them, it's training them how to behave in the business world, how to spot unethical activities. I actually like to use the example that if, if, if you went to work in a factory, you would be trained before you went into that factory, the safety procedures and all, so you wouldn't hurt yourself or hurt somebody else. And I tell college students that there are ethical dangers out there that are very real, and they have to study Enron, WorldCom, Tyco, HealthSouth. They have to understand how these things happen. They need to go to work for a company that hopefully they've selected that has a good tone at the top, has a whistleblower program, has a good compliance department, and they need to be aware, but they need to be aware that someday they may be asked to do something unethical. And unless they've really prepared themselves for that event, they may not make the right decision because they're just not prepared for it. I, I could not agree more that that is so true. It's not, <clears throat> the problem is not knowing what's right from wrong. It's not acting when that moment occurs. And let me just quote from you. The prevailing majority of people know right from wrong. They are ethical most of the time. Teaching people right from wrong is not the point. It is the process of training people how to execute ethical people that is critical. And it's easy to be ethical most of the time. Yeah. The key is to be ethical when it counts, when something's exactly. really on the line. And it may exactly. be money, as in your case. It could be your life. It could be your reputation. There's a price to pay for being ethical. And the question is, is the person willing to pay the price? And and have they trained themselves to be aware of the possibility of that moment occurring? Exactly, exactly. And I suppose you really don't know what you want, you really don't know what you're gonna do, most of us, until that moment arrives. Uh, uh, you read about in military situations where a platoon mate will jump on a live grenade to shelter his, his uh, fellow members of the platoon. Uh, that's training, but will you really do it when mm -hmm. that moment comes? You don't know. You don't know. You, you don't, don't know. know. But the, the likelihood of doing the correct thing is, is greatly increased if you've trained for it. Yes. So that's important. So ethics deserves a seat at the table in your decision-making matrix. Exactly. The importance of integrity, honesty, uh, and caring about the next person. Exactly. It seems so simple, but it's not in the real world because these temptations no, no. are enormous, yeah. enormous. And in certain professions, they're, they're really great. That's the problem with Wall Street. 
tremendous money is made on Wall Street. And unfortunately, there, that's a lot of temptation there to cheat a little to make more money. So that's one reason you hear about these large corporate scandals. And we had uh, Richard Cohn, uh, William Cohn, as our distinguished speaker a couple of years ago, who wrote, who wrote House of Cards about the collapse yeah. of Bear Stearns. Yeah. And basically, Wall Street was gambling with taxpayers' money. And heads, they win and they keep it. Tails, they lose. We pay for it, yeah. which is outrageous yeah. when you think about it. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, well, I believe that uh, companies, cultures, countries, and individuals that become corrupt ultimately will fail. It may come sooner, it may come later, but it's going to have a bad ending once you start to violate standards. So exactly. the key is, is, is not to cross that first line because people take a bite, they get away with it. Did it, did it start small in Health South case? Little, little bit here, yeah. a little bit there, yeah. and nothing happened, and then more and more. Exactly. And then you got to that critical bad time, and... Uh, you're in too deep. You're in so, too deep. Yeah. It's kind of like Lance Armstrong. I mean, he, he, he was a great hero. Everybody loved Lance Armstrong, and today he's totally disrespected because everything he did was based on a lie. Yeah. And think about it. Your whole life... Is based on a lie, and you know, and you know it. Yeah, yeah. And Scrooge knew it. He knew it. Sometimes I think that uh, <laughs> the abuse in our society, with drugs and alcohol, and physical spousal abuse and all, in part is triggered by people who are doing things during the day that they know are wrong. Uh, that's just a, a hypothesis. Wow. I have no data, but it just seems to me. If you believe in karma, these things do come back to they bite do. you. The thing is, human beings by nature are very short-term oriented. And they want to do things that give them pleasure and satisfaction now, in the short run. People overeat, they do drugs, they drink, because it makes them feel good right now. And that's unfortunately a large part of human nature. So you have to stop and think, if I eat this extra piece of pie, I'm going to get fat. Politicians do it, too, because oh, yeah. they want short-term gains and push the can down the road. Okay, we'll be back with the rest of our show after these messages. Phil Trainees mixes California style with continental cuisine that includes fresh seafood from around the world. Since Phil is the chef, the menu has a wide variety of pastas, salads, soups, and appetizers that feature his unique personal touch. And the Italian-American signature dishes are simply beyond delicious. You never know who you're going to run into at trainees, from the famous sports legends on the Wall of Fame to local celebrities having a drink at the bar. For the best fine dining experience, visit Phil Trainees. I want to improve my career opportunities. I want to earn a higher salary at my job. I'd like to finish what I started. The new Bachelor of Arts in Liberal Arts degree completion program at Cal State Long Beach will help you achieve your educational goals while keeping your life in balance. Contact our Customer Service Center at 1-800-963-2250 for more information or visit us on the web. Let CSULB help you finish what you started.
Take care of those who are closest to you, from our family to yours. McCarty's Jewelry, since 1932. We're back. Glad you could join us for this fascinating discussion. Again, let me remind you that uh, Aaron's book, uh, Health South, The Wagon to Disaster, is available at his website, www.aaronbeam.net. And uh, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, uh, the subject today was so important. Well, thank you. Uh, can I can tell a quick for, funny story? If it's 30 seconds. Okay. When you're hiring employees, they need to have three things. Integrity, they need to be intelligent, and they need to have a lot of drive. But if you hire them and you find out they don't have integrity, you better hope they're stupid and lazy. <laughs> Amen to that. Aaron, thank you so much, and uh, we wish you well in, in this chapter, this important chapter of your life. Well, thank you, sir. And thank you for joining us. Please be with us next week for the next edition of Straight Talk. Good night, everyone. Straight Talk has been brought to you in part by the Port of Long Beach and the Press-Telegram. And remember, Straight Talk is viewable 24-7 at straighttalktv.com.